Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that we have already heard. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you come and open up your word to us, that it becomes life, that it strengthens us, and that it helps us walk more closely with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lenny Konchewitz. I'm the resident church planter here at Grace, and I'm glad to be back. I think it's already been two months or so since I was here last time, and I'm really happy to see a few new faces, but also happy to see already known faces. And um, I live over in St. Augustine, where my family and I moved at the end of last year to lead the church plant out of Grace. We're planting the Table Church. And uh, we're excited about things that are happening. We're excited about this Christmas season where we really hope to, to build a lot of momentum. Please be praying for us for Christmas season. And also please be praying to see if you want to sell your house and move over there and join our core team. Um, no, could be that God is calling you. But um, in general, I want to say thank you to the whole church and to all of you who are giving and praying for us individually. We really appreciate it and we couldn't be doing what we are doing without you. So thank you. Uh, oh, and uh, happy Halloween, I guess. You know, in Germany, where I'm from, it's not that big of a deal yet. We actually celebrate Reformation Day today in honor of <laughs> Martin Luther, but nobody really cares about him today. Uh, it's, it's more about the candy. Now, all, all I want to say about Halloween, and then I'll leave it, I believe the people of God are rather called to cast out devils than hang them up as decoration in their windows and doors. Um, so just a little thought to think on. I'm, no, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. What is easier for you? To forgive somebody fully and completely who has done something really evil to you? Or to receive somebody's forgiveness where you are the guilty party and you have done something really evil and bad to somebody. What do you think is easier? To be on the receiving end or to be on the forgiving end? I think that's a, a good question and it is very relevant for today's topic and today's texts in the Old Testament that we just read about Joseph. And the topic of my sermon today, if you want to summarize it in one statement, is that the sovereignty of God leads to radical forgiveness and to unshakable faith. How the sovereignty of God leads to radical forgiveness and to unshakable faith. I like theology. I am in seminary. I like studying systematic theology and all these things you can study about God. And the sovereignty of God is one of those topics that has been very prominent, especially since the Reformation. How much does God control everything that happens? And honestly, we can sometimes get lost a little bit in this. And studying and preparing for this text that we have at hand here today reminded me again that we must not make the mistake of isolating the sovereignty of God and study it at 
as something just by itself, but we always have to put it into the context of real human life and human history because the sovereignty of God always produces a fruit. It's supposed to produce a fruit in our lives. And we see that very clearly demonstrated in the life of Joseph, the kind of fruit that God's sovereignty is producing. So instead of getting too caught up in, in the, the details of what does God's sovereignty mean and look like and does he control everything that's happening or not, let's just Leave that aside and today focus on the outcome of God's sovereignty. And it can be summarized in two things, radical forgiveness and unshakable faith. And so we're going to dive in here and, and see how this is playing itself out in the life of Joseph. We find, we find Jacob, patriarch, Jacob dying. And Joseph and his brothers had a bit of a complicated relationship as you probably remember. <laughs> um, it wasn't the easiest relationship they had. And, and so the, the brothers, they, they remembered, man, we, we really messed up years and years ago. Let's just send a messenger to our brother Joseph and tell him that our daddy said, make sure that you forgive your brothers. We don't know if he actually did or not. We don't know. But they were so suspicious of a potential wrath that was still somehow in Joseph's heart, that they used dead daddy to send a message, to soften his heart. Now, when Joseph received the message, we, we just read here, when he heard the message, please forgive your brothers, he wept. Now, I read some commentators and I, I fully agree with them when they say that the main reason why Joseph wept was because he couldn't believe that his brothers were still holding on to such a deep level of suspicion towards him that they still hadn't embraced the fact that Joseph had indeed forgiven them. And why that is so significant is because by that time, by the time that we read this story here, 17 years had passed between the brothers and Jacob arriving in Egypt and Jacob dying. Jacob, Jacob, Father Jacob was 130 years old when they all moved to Egypt, when Joseph revealed himself first to his brothers. He was 130 years old, and he was 147 years old when he died. So 17 years had passed between the brothers first encountering Joseph and, and the, dad, the daddy dying. So you might remember in Genesis 45, when the brothers first realized that Joseph is now the most powerful man in the world next to, next to Pharaoh, they were already scared back then. But Joseph already made it very clear to them 17 years ago where he said, listen, God had a bigger plan. God meant for good what you had intended for evil. I was sent here to become the provider of food for the whole world during the famine. Through me, many lives are being saved. It's not about me, it's about God's sovereign purposes. I have forgiven you, dear brothers. All of that happened 17 years ago. And now 17 years later, the brothers are still not sure and convinced if Joseph had really forgiven them. I think that's tra tragic. I mean, imagine where you were 17 years ago. I'm 37, I'm about to turn 38, so I was 20. I didn't even have legal drinking age in the States. Now in Germany, you can have a beer when you're 16. So, but when I moved here, 
not that I was drinking all the time when I came here, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying this is how different the world was back then. You know, iPhones hadn't even been around. Can, can, you, can you remember? <laughs> can you remember not having an iPhone? Like they came out in 2007, three years later. So I'm just saying 17 years is a long time. And yet the, the radical forgiveness that Joseph had offered never penetrated the hearts of his brothers. And it made me think, how, how, how is that with us, even as believers, as Christians today, I honestly think we often are like, like the brothers of Joseph in our relationship with Jesus. We might be going to church for 17 years and listen to a sermon every Sunday and celebrate communion every Sunday where we hear over and over how much God has loved us and forgiven us and, and all of that. But, but if it comes down to it, if we stood in front of the real presence of Christ, would we feel ashamed? Would we feel like, oh, there might still be something in him towards me that's not resolved? I'm not sure if he really fully embraces me or not. Or would we be confident in the presence of Christ, knowing that we are great sinners that have received great forgiveness? I, I kind of felt convicted by that, and it's easy to judge the brothers and say, come on, just accept it, but at the same time, I'm wondering, am I maybe one of those brothers when it comes to my own relationship with the Lord? I think Jesus often cries too, in a way, when he sees his children being scared of him. The Heavenly Father cries when he sees the people called by his name run away and suspicious towards him, not trusting him. So I want to encourage us this morning, already here at this moment, halfway through the sermon, God's arms are open wide and he has done everything he could to forgive your sin, to forgive my sin. And we don't have to be afraid that there's some evil dark side suddenly coming out of his heart when we come into his presence that can't wait to just take his revenge on us. We don't have to have that fear. So Joseph demonstrated a radical forgiveness, and we always have to, have to remember that he really suffered a lot. I mean, he was in prison for 14 years. He, he was beaten, he was discouraged, he was disappointed, and he, he was rejected by his own family, and, and all of that, I mean, we have to to remind ourselves he really did have a lot to forgive. And yet, somehow, and I, I'm just guessing here, but as he was sitting in prison, I can only imagine Joseph having all this time for himself, thinking about the dreams he had as a little kid, where God gave him these dreams of the future, of how they were going to unfold, and just remembering the different things that had happened along the way, of how God had preserved his life. He somehow was able to start identifying the hand of God in his life and to draw faith and encouragement from that rather than sink into a hole of self-pity and, and depression and despair over all the wrong and all the evil that he had experienced. He started realizing, my goodness, there is a bigger plan at work here. This is much more than just me and my little dreams that I had and me and my comfort level. This is about God wanting to prepare something through me that would bless the whole world so that others will live, so that others will be carried through the famine that is about to come 
onto this planet. God wants to use me, and he's taking me through his school of character to get there. This is somehow the attitude, the mindset that started developing in Joseph, and I highly respect him for that. He started seeing the sovereignty of God at work in his life, and it produced an unshakable conviction and faith in him that helped him to look past all the offense, all the suspicion, all the hurt, all the rejection, all the, the mistreatment, all the wrong that was going on around him. He could see right through it and see God's, God's hand, God's sovereign influence at work in his life. What a powerful example of what it means to walk by faith. And his humility, you know, when the brothers come and they fall before him here in, in chapter 50, Joseph says, come on, don't be afraid. Who do, we, who do you think I am, God? You know that in the moment his brothers fell down before him in, in chapter 50 was the fulfillment of the dream he had. I don't know, like decades and decades earlier as a little boy when he dreamt that the stars would come and bow before him. It was literally happening right there. As a young boy, underdeveloped character, he made a mistake. He took that dream and he started telling everyone, hey, guess what? You guys are going to bow down to me. It was one of the reasons why he was, you know, cast away. <laughs> this time, it actually happens. But instead of walking around Egypt and saying, hey, guess what? My brothers are bowing down to me. Instead of doing that, he says, stop, stop. Get up. Don't be afraid. Who, who do you think I am? God? Don't bow to me. Bow to God. Who do you think I am? Your judge? I can't judge you. My role is to forgive you, not to judge you. We leave judgment with God. I think that's a word for us today too. Our role is not to judge. Our role is to forgive. Our role is to let go and to be ministers of reconciliation at this time. Joseph reassures them and said, please don't be afraid of me. And then he repeats the same words that he had told them 17 years earlier. He said, what, God, what you had meant for evil, God has meant for good. And he said the exact same thing 17 years earlier. And he said, God had a bigger plan. God wanted to release life and to, to provide life through me, although you meant it for dead. So, we see the sovereignty of God beautifully at work in Joseph's life, leading to radical forgiveness and to an unshakable kind of faith. In fact, Joseph's faith was so strong that this chapter ends, Genesis 50, is in fact the last chapter of the whole book of Genesis, it ends with a remarkable statement of faith by Joseph. It says that when Joseph was 110 years old, he was dying, and he called his brothers to himself. He called the sons of Israel to himself, and he said, listen, I'm paraphrasing now, okay? The NLT, the New Lenny Translation. Okay, so. <laughs> listen, I'm about to die, and you guys are going to hang out for a while in Egypt. It won't be easy. But I give you this instruction. 
and make sure you tell your children, and make sure their children tell their children, and make sure that they pass this instruction on. I don't want to be buried in Egypt. Yes, you can put my bones in a, in a, in a casket here, but I'm not going to be buried here because the God of our forefathers promised that we will inherit the promised land. We're only here temporarily. I don't know how long it will take, but we will get to the promised land. We will. And when that day comes, I want your children and the children of your children, whoever it may be, I want them to carry my bones back to the promised land and to bury me there because this is where we're called to be, not here. Can you imagine the brothers listening to that going like, what? What are you talking about? Why should we go back to where we just came from? There's hardship, there's famine. What are you talking about? See, Joseph had developed a mindset of faith where he knew that the sovereignty of God sees more than our immediate circumstances. The sovereignty of God sees more than just that there's a famine out there right now and the promised land is dangerous and we shouldn't be going there. No, in his unshakable faith, Joseph knew one day God will lead us back into a land that is flowing of milk and honey. Now, that word didn't exist back then yet, but in his spirit, Joseph already saw that. And by faith, he said, I want to be buried over there. That's where I belong. I don't want to be buried in Egypt. In the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, Whoever wrote the letter of Hebrews, we don't really know for sure, but there is this wonderful chapter 11 where it talks about all the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. And Joseph is mentioned as one of the heroes of faith. And it says that by faith, Joseph instructed Israel to bury his bones in the promised land. This is a fruit of the sovereignty of God. See, the sovereignty of God is not something for us to debate over and to argue about and to become all upset about. Or, No. The purpose of the sovereignty of God is to instill unshakable faith in us that God knows what He is doing and that He has a good plan, a plan that will lead to life and to salvation. And the sovereignty of God is meant to soften our hearts so that we can live lives of compassion and radical forgiveness. And so as I was preparing this message, I really sensed in my heart that God wants us to be Joseph's in this generation today. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what the last 14 years have been like for you. I don't know if you found yourself in some kind of prison or maybe the last two years. You know, some of them, we have been somewhat imprisoned, you know, been locked down. But the question is, you know, here's the thing. We can, we can make the choice like Joseph. We can, we can look at it with eyes of faith and a tender heart and say, come Holy Spirit and help me navigate through this time. Help me to forgive who I need to forgive and help me to have faith that is unshakable. Or we can sink into the hole of self-pity and of darkness and we can just be offended by everything that's happening in society, and we can cast rocks at every political leader that comes up on the screen on CNN or Fox News or whatever else it is that we watch, or we can choose to be offended at whatever legislation is passed, or we can be offended at whatever else is happening in society <coughs> Excuse me, that we don't like. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we shouldn't have a, a righteous anger about wrong. We need to speak against evil. 
but we must not do it from a place of bitterness and anger because then we're trying to cast out one demon with another demon and that will not work. So I want to encourage us, I want to invite all of us to become like Joseph and to let the sovereignty of God fill our hearts with radical forgiveness. Just forgive anybody you can think of that has offended you in any way. Just forgive them wholeheartedly today. Let them go. And at the same time, ask the Holy Spirit to, to build in you that kind of faith that is unshakable. And one good exercise, and I want to leave you with this, one good exercise to, to develop this unshakable faith is to spend time writing down and meditating on the good things God has done in your life, even in the midst of trouble. Try to remember the darkest times that you've been through in your life and then ask the Holy Spirit, show me where you were. Show me your hand in these moments. Show me signs of your goodness during these times. Write them down and meditate on them and you will start feeling this faith emerge in you that is unshakable because you see that God is there and He is good. That is the kind of faith that we're called to have and to demonstrate in our generation and in our time. Are we willing to step into that light, that kind of light? I think that's the question that we, that we have today. And if any of you need help, then we can call on Jesus because he's the ultimate Joseph. He's the ultimate example. He's the ultimate radical forgiver on the cross. And he's the ultimate unshakable faith haver. <laughs> he, he didn't waver. And so we are all fragile, we're all broken, and we all struggle. And today, I believe Jesus is extending his sovereign grace to us so that we can share in his radical forgiveness, so that we can share in his unshakable faith. As we come to the table later, I want you to maybe just carry that in your heart with you. As you receive communion, just say, Jesus, I want to literally intake your grace today. Help me forgive like you forgive. And help me have faith like you have faith. Let us pray. Father, it is not always an easy task to live life here on earth. And it is certainly not an easy task to live life in the midst of challenges and to yet maintain an attitude of, of forgiveness and of faith. But I thank you that because you know we're weak, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to help us when we're weak. And so we confess our weakness to you today. And at the same time, we confess that when we are weak, you are strong. So come, Holy Spirit, and help us forgive where we need to forgive and restore our faith where it needs to be restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.